Michael Swickard here with Enchanting People of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili, it's from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, which you know is the chili capital of the world. Now, Colonel Frank Borman died last week at the age of 95. His lifetime effect was worldwide, and certainly it was here in New Mexico. He had many homes over the years. Gary, where he was born, Gary, Indiana, where he was born, Tucson, West Point, many Air Force bases, NASA, Eastern Airlines, Las Cruces, and finally Montana. But the most important home he had, which is the same home we all have, was reflected when he and fellow astronauts James Lovell Jr. and William Anders were the first humans to break the bonds of Earth and travel to the Earth's moon. Two things I remember most about that Apollo 8 mission in December of 1968. There was the picture they took of Earth. With the moon in the foreground, it was called Earthrise. Importantly, it was Christmas 1968. And for those that weren't alive then, it was a very turbulent year with things going bad in Vietnam. And there was the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And also the assassination of presidential candidate Bobby Kennedy. The presidential convention in Chicago was a week of complete chaos. Urban riots were in several of the cities And a closely contested presidential election was won by Richard Nixon, which some people were pretty unhappy about. But on balance, 1968, there was Apollo 8, which circled the moon ten times and had the broadcast where Frank Borman said, And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you all of you on the good earth. It was the most watched television broadcast up to that time. Estimates about one quarter of all the people on earth saw or heard that broadcast. For a moment in time, Colonel Frank Borman made us realize that we all live on this good earth. It is our home. As I walked home that evening, I had been up on campus watching the TV I lived off campus and didn't have a car for the first two years I was at college. So as I walked home, I looked up at the moon and then down the street. I was home on Earth. Seven months later, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped onto the moon and then returned safely to this good Earth. One small step, one giant leap. One last thing. After such a horrible 1968 People were overjoyed to have something good happen. A stranger sent a telegram. That was back when telegrams were still being sent. The telegram to Frank Borman said, Thank you, Apollo 8. You saved 1968. It was quite a journey for Colonel Frank Borman, who preferred to be called Colonel. He was born in Gary, Indiana, but the weather made his sinuses and ears had all sorts of difficulties, and so the family moved to Tucson, where he grew up. In a conversation with him in 1987, he said to me, I moved to Las Cruces because it reminds me of the Tucson where I grew up, but that Tucson has gotten too large now. 
When Colonel Borman moved to Las Cruces in 1986, he purchased a couple of auto dealerships to be run by his son, Fred Borman. Fred's wife, Donna, was head of marketing. She wanted to use our local history and culture in their advertising. Uh, I spoke to her a couple times about history, and therefore I was hired to research and write a one-page story about someone or something in New Mexico's rich history for each day of the year. I did so, and I still have much of that data, which is why I'm doing these Enchanting People and Enchanting Stories of New Mexico podcasts. These podcasts, which I really enjoy doing, go right back to Colonel Frank Borman coming to our little slice of paradise. Michael Swickard here, Enchanting People of New Mexico. Each Wednesday, we do a podcast on people who are special to New Mexico. You can hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. We're talking today about Colonel Frank Borman, who passed away last week at age 95 after a very rich life. Living in Tucson as a teenager, the colonel became fascinated with airplanes and flying. He was also served very well by being a good student, especially in math and science. He went to West Point and graduated in the class of 1950. He was ranked 8th out of 670 cadets. And it, that, uh, that day, he married his high school sweetheart, Susan. He transitioned into flying and became an Air Force officer flying jet fighters. He moved on to the role of test pilot after a while. Next, he got a master's degree in aeronautical engineering. Then he taught thermal dynamics and fluid mechanics at West Point. Now, he was at Edwards Air Force Base near Lancaster, California, working as an instructor for the Aerospace Research Pilots uh, School, when in 1962, he was selected by NASA as one of the second group of astronauts. There were nine of them. From California, the family of Frank, Susan, and sons Fred and Edwin moved to Houston, Texas. Now, you should know that both sons, Fred and Edwin, graduated from West Point, Fred in 1974, Edwin in 1975. In this story, we must recognize something a lot of people don't talk about, the sacrifice of the family. For myself, one day in the 60s, I came home to find that my father, George Swickard, Sergeant George Swickard, had left for Vietnam with one hour's notice. He was a combat photographer in World War II Korea and then when he is did a a tour of duty in Vietnam. My mother, brother Bill, sister Abby, and I avoided watching the news. Susan, Fred, and Edwin had to watch their husband and father do things nobody else had ever done before. He was in space perhaps, well, 14 days one time, and I think it was about five or six the second, so about 20 days in space over two missions. The colonel was immersed being an astronaut while the family had to not show the strain of worry. Before Neil Armstrong stepped onto the moon in 1969, did you know that eight astronauts had lost their lives, none of them in space? The effect on the close-knit family of astronauts who all lived near each other there in Houston was profound. Ted Freeman died in 1964. Elliot C. and Charlie Bassett in 1967, all three of them were in plane crashes. Gus Grissom, Ed White, and Roger Chafee was, uh, were killed in the Apollo 1 pad accidents. 
two more accidents. Clifton Williams and Robert uh, Lawrence both died in plane crashes in 1967. It hit Susan, Fred, and Edwin Hart when Ed White died since he and their father were very good friends and they'd already endured the worry that they had while he was a test pilot because that's a very dangerous thing to be a test pilot. For that reason, Frank Borman, when his astronaut career ended, dedicated himself to Susan and the kids to repay them for all the tension that they went through. Now, example of that was the decision to move to Montana in 1998, I understand, uh, they moved from Las Cruces to there, started when Fred and Edwin called their father and said they had been hunting in Montana and thought it was a wonderful place to live. You know, while not of his own choosing, with test pilot, astronaut, and celebrity of being Apollo 8, Colonel Borman had spent a huge amount of time away from the family attending to duties. When he stepped down from Eastern Airlines and moved to Las Cruces, that changed for the rest of his life. He happily moved to Montana, and I understand that somebody did an interview in the last year or two, and he was very happy to be there. Michael Swickard, Enchanting People of New Mexico. Talking about Colonel Frank Borman, who inspired a generation of pilots and space enthusiasts with his actions and the quality of his thinking. Uh, if, you, uh, if you really recognize how good he was at that, he was the only astronaut on the accident review board after the Apollo 1 pad accident killed three of his friends. In his great book, and he does have a great book, you can still find it. It's called Countdown, an Autobiography. It was co-written um, uh, with uh, Rod Serling's brother. Colonel Borman recounts the myriad of battles that he had to get the quality of Apollo capsules correct because there was always a lot of people saying, well, we need to save a little weight here, or we need to save a little money here, and he just wasn't going to have it. And again, if you read his, his book, Countdown, he talks about all of it, because it was incredibly important that they not have another catastrophe with the Apollo program. And... Uh, well, and there wasn't. There was a problem with Apollo 13 that was not of the capsule. But uh, but other than that, they all went. They all came back. In 1970, he retired from the Air Force and NASA. Now, he might have stayed on and walked on the moon, but he would have had to do so at the expense of his family. So he retired and went to work at Eastern Airlines, where his brilliant analysis of systems and problems enabled him to end up as the CEO of the company after a number of years working well within the organization. He was well thought of for how well he could work through things. In 1986, he retired from Eastern Airlines, which, did you know, Eastern Airlines was headed by World War I flying ace Eddie Rickenbacker in the early years. And I'm sure Colonel Borman smiled but metaphorically, as he was sitting in some of the same chairs as Eddie Rickenbacker could have been sitting in. Now, Borman served as a special presidential ambassador to Europe and, and Asia to support the release of the Vietnam prisoners of war early on. 
Now, he was awarded more honors than I have the time to say. I could spend 15 minutes talking about all the honors. One that you can see around here. In 1982, he was inducted into the International Space Hall of Fame in Alamogordo. They have a whole display there, and they've got a nice museum, too. He was in the Congressional Space Medal of Honor in the first class. There were six of them for that honor. But what Frank Borman could do was he could look up at the moon and know the details from his memory. He and 23 other astronauts who either walked on the moon or saw it up close had the ability to look up and like someone who had summited Everest could look up and know what it was like to be up there close. And so, uh, so it was, uh, I think, an interesting thing for him to be able to look up. It was inspiring that NASA sent 24 men to the moon. Twelve of them actually walked on the moon. And every time they sent of those six missions to each, there was always another person, a third member. So that's how you end up with 24. And then you also have Apollo 8 and Apollo 13 that circled the moon but did not land. Funny thing to remember, but I remember all the hopes of getting television viewers to watch the third Super Bowl. Nobody probably remembers much, which was kind of a thought to be lost before it started. People were saying, oh, we don't need to watch that, that uh, Super Bowl three. The New York Jets are 20-point underdogs. But the next day, everybody was talking about how Joe Namath and the upset of the Baltimore Colts but you know what I remember at coffee? I remember that just a couple of weeks after the Apollo 8 crew returned from the moon, they were part of the pregame festivities, and they recited the Pledge of Allegiance before the national anthem was played. And where I was drinking coffee, a lot of us talked about that. 400 years ago, Don Juan de Onate passed through southern New Mexico and wrote on inscription rock, I, Don Juan de Onate, paso por aquí. That means I passed by here. I am so very glad that Colonel Frank Borman, along with Susan, Fred, Edwin, and their families, including four grandkids, passed by here in southern New Mexico. And all of those other fine things that Colonel Frank Borman did, what an inspiration for the ages. And I repeat his words from 55 years ago. God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. That is for sure. Michael Swickert here. This is Enchanting People of New Mexico. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico for you in these podcasts. If you have something or someone you want me to talk about in a future podcast, you can write to me, michael at freshchilico.com. Michael at FreshChilico.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili is good, more is better. Bye for now.